Welcome back, your Hell Yes Lifers. I'm your host, Zaya B, and my mission is to help you connect with your Hell Yes, make brave decisions, and take action so you can have a life that lights you up. Today, we're asking the question, how can we navigate the complexities of balancing responsibilities, following our inner yes, all while nurturing and strengthening our friendships? We know that those of us that are carving our own path may need even more support to stay brave and keep trailblazing. So friendships are a key part of a hell yes life. Our guest today is the incredible Alex Alexander, an expert in the realm of friendship who followed her hell yes to leave a successful career, follow her heart, and start this new path years ago. In our talk, I really appreciated Alex's guidance in making the process of building and maintaining friendships easier and not just another thing that we need to squeeze into our busy schedules. She shares really practical, easy to implement advice that I am eager to put into practice and I bet you will be too. So join us as we embark on a journey to discover the profound impact of following your yes, building friendships and keeping connection alive. Before we get started, I just want to invite you to a backstage pass. Check out the link in the show notes to your Hell Yes Life mailing list. My newsletter has additional insights, ideas from me and my brave guests to keep you inspired to live your Hell Yes life every week. Okay, now let's dive in. Welcome back, your Hell Yes lifers. I am so excited to have you here, and I'm thrilled to have my guest today, Alex Alexander. Actually, I have to do a quick side note. Is that your married name, or is that the name that you grew up with? I did it to myself, is what I say. Okay. I I got married, but I was never somebody who really planned to change my last name, but it's too good. It's too good. And like, it's my <laughs> name now. I would never, like, it will be my name forever. Okay. I got yeah. it. I like it. And this is all about doing what feels right to us. So good for you to make it your name. I actually changed my name. I announced it this year. I changed it a couple of years ago and then finally got used to it enough that I stuck with it this year. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. So... Our listeners are often people who are in careers that they're successful at, it's fine, but it doesn't feed their soul. They've probably been doing it a long time and they just, they want to change and they don't know what that is. And I know that you went through a change like that from weddings to what you're focused on now with friendship. Can you share about that transition? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hi everyone. So I built like quite the wedding planning career. I basically got known for impossible weddings. Like if you want to truck snow in from the mountains, if you want to shut down streets on the days of major league baseball games, if you want to get permits your city doesn't offer, I would do it. Started working with a woman who was a wedding planner doing those kind of weddings my senior year of college. And it's kind of hard to get into that industry. And it was fun and fast paced. So I just leaned in. And 10 years later, I was still doing it, but I was doing it because I was good at it and because I had a reputation and because I built my portfolio, not I loved it. So I'm hitting right on what you're talking about for this podcast. In 2018, I, I mean, I was burnt out. I kind of realized I just really didn't want to do this anymore. And I was getting to the point where the... I don't know, the adrenaline of making the impossible happen. Like I was more annoyed by my clients' requests than excited mm. to do it, which isn't fair to them. That's that's literally what they hired me for. But they would ask me for something and I, in my head, I would just be like, this is so much more difficult than it needs to be. Mm. And like, I don't even want to do it. 
but I would, of course, (laughs) and I would put on the best face and be so excited about it. But inside, I was just so drained. So I decided 2018 was my last full season. I took one more wedding in 2019. And in, is that right? I guess I did one more in 2020. I had like an old industry acquaintance who was planning like a big blowout wedding. And she came to me and was like, you're the only person I can think of to do this. So it was hard. It was hard to move on as you can see from like continuing to take weddings, even though I had said I wasn't going to do it anymore. And when I stopped in 2018, basically my husband was like, do you want to go back to school? Like, what do you want to do? Cause he could tell I was miserable too. And in the end I said, I, I think I want to just start a business. So I started a food blog and the food blog was about how to get people together as simply as possible. It was kind of the anti-Martha Stewart. And that was great. And it was going places and I was building an audience. And what I found is that the more I showed up on my stories, people would message me and say, you know, it's really great that you can tell me how to cook dinner for 10 people, but how do you have 10 friends? And I had no idea, one, that that was something I had uh, like a lot of experience in. <laughs> I had no idea that the friendship situation I had was not what everyone had. Number two, I didn't know I had a lot of like opinions or that I was doing things differently, but that's just what people kept asking me about. And eventually the requests were too loud and I couldn't really stop myself anymore. I just had to make the switch because it's what everyone wanted. And honestly, it's what I wanted. It's what I wanted to talk about the whole time, but I was too scared to admit it. Oh, interesting. Because I was going to ask you, I know that it were it was your audience that was asking a lot of that. And I was curious if it was something that you were passionate about as well. So it is interesting to hear it's a topic you were passionate about and you didn't feel like you could focus on that. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. So my original business plan for the food blog was really centered around this idea of I can tell as we're getting older that people aren't starting to see friendships as a priority. And I was like, well, what if, even if they don't see it as a priority, what if we could just take all the barriers away from getting together with our friends, right? Like hosting people gives a lot of people stress and anxiety. So what if I could marry the experience I have as an event planner? (laughs) Yeah, that's you. What if I could marry my experience as an event planner with like my knowledge of how I do this every day? I love to cook. And tell people like what really matters. What do you really need to do to have it be an enjoyable experience to come over to your house? So it really was focused on keeping your friendships alive. But I, you know, like a food blog is something a lot of people are doing. It's it's very easy to look at a blueprint of somebody else's business and be like, okay, well, I can just do this with this slight, slight twist on it. And it's funny to look back like the recipe development was fun for a while, the creating like the hosting guides, doing how to throw a certain party, spreadsheets I would offer. It was all things that I could do. But at the end of the day, what I really wanted to talk about was friendship. But there's really nobody out there mainstream talking about friendship and community. Like, what does that look like? How do I turn that into a business? Also, who am I to talk about that? I really thought for a while I had to go back to school and become a therapist or a psychologist. I spent I spent a good, I don't know, six to nine months, like really deciding that if 
if I was going to talk about friendship on the internet, do I need to go get my PhD? And so what was it like, first off, well, so you're saying the resistance was that you didn't have the expertise, but with that in the back of your mind of who am I, right? A lot of people have this imposter syndrome of, well, I don't know, I don't have an expertise. Degree or not, you don't have an expertise. Maybe you just have a passion and some opinions and ideas, but not necessarily expertise in the proper sense of the word of that you've studied it and you've written about it and things like that. So when did you finally say, actually, no, I don't need to get a degree. I'm just going to jump in and do this. I think this is a three-part answer. Three things come to mind. One, when I considered like formally making this pivot. So my food blog used to be called The Eternal Hostess. And when I decided I was just going to switch my business to being Alex Alexander and focus in on community and friendship, I had some friends who told me, why don't you just sit down and try and write a 30-page ebook, like a something you would sell on your website? If you can write 30 pages and feel like there's so many more you could write, that's probably a good sign this is something you could talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. And Zaya knows this, but I think you do. That 30 pages turned into a book. Like I accidentally wrote 200 pages. And by the end of that, I already knew what my next two to three books would be. So that was a pretty big confirmation. That was the first one. The second one was um, I just started talking about this stuff with my friends, with the people that I trusted, the people around me. And I started to notice that they would come back to me and tell me about how things I had said were impacting their life. So a guy friend of mine, Drew, came back one day and he said, you know, we just moved and I was walking through my neighborhood and there was this guy there and like, he's a nice enough guy, but I don't really know what we have in common to be friends. And normally I think I would have just kind of been like, oh, well, hope he can find a friend in the neighborhood. But Drew's a pretty social guy. He's pretty outgoing. And he's like, you know, I was thinking about all the things you said. And I realized that like, maybe I'm not even meant to be his new best friend, but maybe I could introduce him to some of the other people I know. And that's where he would maybe find his new, like closest dad neighborhood friend. And he was like, and I wouldn't have thought of that if if it wasn't for you. And I could give dozens of examples, but it was just like casual conversations I was having. And it slowly broke down the imposter syndrome. Like I started to believe every time my friends told me something I had said had impacted them, that I was like, I, I did have things worth saying that I was impacting people. So that was helpful. The third one was that when I started to look out there, like there really aren't that many people who are talking about community and friendship. It's a, it's a very small number. And, you know, I can, I can write them on a little, little notepad piece of paper. Like I know who they all are pretty much at this point. And what I would find is when I would read their work or look at what they had to say, I would end up really frustrated because not that I think what they're saying is bad, but I just feel like it's a lot of the same advice that people keep trying and isn't working. So we keep just repeating the same patterns, hoping for different results, which you know I believe is basically like the definition of insanity. And that's what I realized is like maybe instead of a degree, you know, because if I go back and get a PhD. I'm going to do a bunch of research, right? I'm going to read how things are right now. And that's really what I realized. I don't want to talk about that. What I want to do is throw a bunch of options out there for 
what it could look like and how we might get there and hope that people will try those in their lives and some of them will stick. And that's not what I would do in a PhD program. Also, I have no interest in one-on-one therapy sessions. So that in the end was the final straw for that. Yeah, I, I appreciate everything you're saying. I mean, one of the big ones is that I'm hearing the following of the breadcrumbs. And I've talked about that a lot on this podcast, especially for the people that are looking for what's next. And I'm in this myself. I'm an artist. I have the podcast, but I am still looking for what is that path to income? Because I'm just in this came up and then I did this and then I did this and then I did this and then it kind of all came together. And now you are, you know, we'll talk about it, but now you're a speaker and you have the book and you have a podcast and you have all the things. But you didn't start out that way. You started out with following other people's curiosity and your own curiosity and your own passion. And I think that's honestly, that's how I think most people's lives are built, not from ta-da, here is the answer. Maybe that happens for some people, but most of us, it's just step by step. And so I really appreciate, go ahead. What was I saying? Taking the action. I think that's the other thing, even in just maybe reflecting on what I just told you is, you know, people are out there talking about, I don't know, write your vision board and put author on it and, you know, draw out the cover of your book so you can see it and say that you're an author every day. And like, to be honest, I never even dreamt of writing a book. I never wanted to write a book. Author was not a title I ever thought I would have. And I I tell people all the time who want to write a book, like, tell yourself you're going to write 30 pages. Because if you can't even get to 30 pages and think of what you would continue writing, then you shouldn't write that book. Move on. Like, I think that's the thing, right? Take, pick an action that feels manageable and do it. And then, like you're saying, follow the breadcrumbs from there. Like, instead of being so focused on writing the whole darn book and then deciding just write 30 pages. That makes sense. And you obviously hit on the hell yes, because you said do it. And as you're doing it, check in with how it feels. Because if it feels like, oh, I got to write that book again. Well, that's not a yes, that's a should, or at least that's what it it sounds like to me, right? Everybody's lives are different. But if it feels like work and effort, and not that everything is going to feel joyful and fun and light. But if it's not, oh, I can't wait to go write this and capture my ideas. And this feels fun. And oh, my gosh, there's this I can add in. And it, again, just feels more like drudgery than, you know, try something, ideas for things and say, well, that's, it's too common. Of of course, everybody knows, right? Of course, everyone, we've been making friends since we knew how to, I was about to say until since we knew how to talk, but we had friends before we could talk, right? You get into the, the sandbox and you just start playing. So I think people could have ideas on topics that we tell ourselves, well, there's no need for this in the market, especially where you're saying, there were very few people focused on it, then you could almost have struggles around it, myself included, in building out a substantial, consistent group that we're able to get together with. Everybody is so busy. And then especially, I think you're younger than me, when you get to middle age, I was just with some friends and we were talking about this in-between squeeze. I don't have kids, but I have aging parents and there are needs around that. And a lot of people that do have kids, you're helping them, you're doing your own thing and you're doing you're helping your parents as well. And so there's obviously a lot less time to then focus on connection beyond those groups. So can you talk about friendship and 
why you think it's such an important topic and maybe even what are some of the most common struggles that you see people have? I mean, even your intro into this question, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I did have people like my husband, for example, when I told him I was going to start talking about community and friendship and I was going to pivot away from the food blog as it was just starting to get aim of it. And I was going to only talk about community and friendship. And I remember him just being like, nobody needs that. Mm. And if they do, why is nobody talking about it? And I was like, I don't know, but people do need it. And somebody needs to be talking about it. And I mean, I've had many people, the more people I guess, get to know my message and my take on friendship. Like I have people who will straight up tell me like you're trailblazing a whole new vertical that no one else is talking about it this way. So that's the kind of breadcrumbs that you of course keep following. But, you know, I mean, even just hearing you <laughs> intro this, it's like friendship is really seen as this extra this luxury, this thing you do when you're not having to care give, when you're not stuck in that squeeze. And I just really don't think that's the case. I actually think that friendship and community and connection is the the answer to that squeeze. It's not feeling like you have to be the only one caring for your parents. It's like having built a broader support safety net and having like, sure, we all love those moments where we're just with our friends doing fun activities. But if we think back to our younger friendships, that's not how it was all the time. Like when we were younger, there were times where we had to drive each other to go pick up our car or we had to run an errand together or we had to go do something for our parents or we had to take each other to the dentist or wait for an oil change. Like we weren't always just sitting around having fun. As we become adults, we start to like just look for those pockets where we can sit with friends and like have that one-on-one -on -one quality time. And I love those. Don't get me wrong. In the in-between, like I, I, we're talking about breadcrumbs that like, that's like a full cookie moment. Like we're waiting for the full cookie moment. But between the full cookie moments, you need breadcrumbs. And they're the moments like coming over to maybe help with cleaning out a basement in your parents' house. And like not only is that relieving the burden of you off caregiving, but it's giving you to a moment to connect. Like that's a breadcrumb. It also makes it easier to find a cookie moment because now you have more time and because you were together. So it's less work to reach out to each other and be like, can we align our schedules? Cause you're together for what, an hour, two hours, three hours while you're cleaning out this basement. So <laughs> you can just be like, when is the next free 45 minutes you have and like decide on it there. So that's all to say, I think that again, we're going about these relationships in ways that are actually making them harder on us because we're trying to separate them out from all the other pieces of our life. And that's not how we should be going about it. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Because if I think about the two friends that I was just with who are in that in between of the older parents and the younger kids, 
you know, as a single person, I do have more time. And so rather than waiting until we can all get together, which honestly, we live in the same city and maybe happens two or three times a year, because to get the three schedules to line up, especially with their limited availability, it's really challenging. And instead, maybe I say, hey, next time you're going to one of your kids' soccer games or something, as much as mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily want to watch the soccer game, if I look at it as just an opportunity, honestly, to laugh, because kids playing soccer is often just a comical thing when they're young, and then to just hang out with her friend in her natural setting, right? It's, to your point, it's almost like we're looking for these zoo moments is what I came up with of like, they're caged and they're contained and we're just gonna be in this setting instead of just wildly roaming free. I mean, that's a strange analogy, but when I just said in her natural environment, that's what came to mind is like, life is not these perfect little boxes. It's, you know, everything is mixing together. Oh, I'm running to the to store to get something for the soccer game to, you know, all of these things. And yeah, what about, I'm gonna come over to your house, I'm gonna jump in your car and we're gonna go run errands together for the yep. next hour because she's gonna run errands. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna run errands. We both yeah. need to get food, yeah, why we both need to do things, yeah. Yep. And it's finding stuff like that, that I think is what we're missing. And I get why, like there's so many reasons why we've ended up with these caged moments, right? There's some intimacy there in going to her kid's soccer game or going grocery shopping together or showing up to clean a parent's basement room. But I think it's fascinating because there's all these podcasts and all these books about how to like develop intimacy with your friends. And the visual that that brings up for people is two people sitting at a restaurant or on a couch, staring at each other, sharing that they had to clean up their parent's basement and that they had to take their kids to soccer practice and their, I don't know, their kid kicked another kid and the parents are mad at them, right? Like that is the the intimacy we're waiting for is like the sit down moments. But you can have that by sometimes being in those moments. But that's almost more intimate because now if your friend's kid kicks another kid and your friend has to go over there, like you're actually there to watch how they parent. So we say we want intimacy, like, do you really? Yeah, it's a really interesting point. I've never actually sat down to think about it. So now I can see all the nuggets that you probably focus on in your business around friendship, because there all, are all of these things that are not top of mind. I mean, it is, here's how we get together. We get together over dinner, we get together over a drink, we get together for a hike, for an activity, instead of for, as you're saying, these connections. And yeah, it's like one of my friends in the, in the area that I'm closest with, it's not only just because we have an, an easeful, beautiful connection, but because she has had me to her house for Thanksgiving. We mm -hmm. have, we've gone to a playground with her nieces, things like that, that are just her life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I realize that Thanksgiving is beyond typical life, but it's not something where it's like just the two of us. It's here, you know, I have a bit of a wacky family and yet I'm going to introduce mm -hmm. you to all of us at a holiday time, which sometimes can be the most challenging because everyone has different expectations. And it's in meeting all of her family members, I now have met all but one of her sisters that doesn't live in the area, that I feel much more connected to her because when she talks about her family, I'm like, okay, I know this one and I know who she's married to and I know her kids and I know the background and I know her job and all of these things. And I do feel much more connected to her because I am more part of her world than the other friends 
where we are more carved off. And I know bits, you know, I've, I've met their kids and things like that, but it's less so. Yep. Yeah, and it's easier to find time when you are integrated in those ways. Because if you know her family, if, I don't know, they're in town or they're getting dinner and you, maybe she would have normally canceled and said, oh, well, there's a last minute family thing. Now she might just be like, well, you already know my family. Why don't you just come along? Now, I don't know, she has to take her mom to a doctor's appointment. You know her mom, you guys get along well. And it's like, sorry, I have to reschedule. Or, hey, I know this is kind of odd, but I have to take my mom to a doctor's appointment. Do you want to go with us? Now you get to see your mom too. While she's at the appointment, we can grab coffee around the street and then drive back. Like it creates more possibilities for connection, which is what we all say that we want. But then I'm out here hearing all these conversations with people. <laughs> you know, being like, here's how we find more pockets of time for dinner dates. It's like, well, yeah, that's great. But in some seasons of life, like that just may not be be it. And you might have to go to the soccer games and the grocery stores and the errands and the doctor's appointments. But also because you've done all that stuff, you feel more connected and prioritizing a dinner out. Yeah. And coming back to the intimacy, I could also imagine that it allows for deeper conversations because, mm -hmm. you know, let's say with that family, I didn't witness a fight, but I know that there have been fights and there are fights in my family as well. So I'm not just, it's not like I'm calling out her family as, as different in that way. But let's say it is, then I've now been invited into almost like the dirty laundry. And I feel like that would then allow her to talk more openly about maybe mm -hmm. challenges that she has with her family or other things because we are in that that depth of realness or your example with watching the mom parent with the kid getting kicked well now maybe she feels more open and talking to me about like oh gosh it's really hard my child yeah. has been struggling with whatever and maybe in the past she didn't want to go there mm -hmm. so it really is an invitation to another level of depth yeah and i just think that you know so many people are out there talking about like when i look at mainstream conversations about friendship it's a lot of like oh well my, you know, my best friends, my close friends, my, like, I never see them. They live across the country. We were college roommates. It's like people from the past. And that's what really got me here is looking at it and be like, okay, well, what did you do differently in that time of your life? And it's like, you lived life together. Mm -hmm. And because we live in a very individualistic society where people are like sectioned off into their nuclear families, most, it is not the norm to let other adults into your life this way. So you really have to think outside the box and like initiate this. But when you do, you can make those types of friendships that you might have had when you're younger. Like you can have those now. You can have those now. Woohoo. Hell yes to that. Yeah. Yeah. More connection. I mean, especially I'll, I'll, you know, be vulnerable and say since COVID, my social life is still quite small. There's something very strange about the Bay Area where it's really, really hard to get time with people. And maybe I'll try this errand technique and see what happens. So I appreciate everything you're bringing forward. Going back to the business side for a minute, I'm curious because you created a business in a new area that didn't really exist, or you're saying there's a few people, for people that want to do something like that, they wanna branch out and they're scared that either there's not a need or, oh my gosh, I have to, do this whole thing, there's not any momentum behind it. Do you have any advice around that? Mm. I mean, 
I would not say that I've done it the easy way or the business smart way. Yeah. Like what I would suggest having been down this road for a while now is to pick a service, start with a service. And I say that because then you will get paid to build your audience. So some of services related to what I do that I can think of would be like coaching, which I've never offered or hosting events. I have a friend who hosts uh, it's called Connection Feast. Go check it out, everybody. And she hosts monthly get-togethers with people where they're, they're you know, they're, like the entire idea is to get together and meet new people. And there's some like programming around connection. What's another one? I mean, keynote speaking is another service, which is what I offer now. Had I known what I know now, I probably would have started offering it a while ago, but that's all right. And then... That allows you to start building your audience, get paid to do it, uh, putting out content consistently to start getting your thought leadership out there. A lot of people will tell you to put messages out there, like content, small bits of content, and see what resonates with people. And I do think that generally that's a good idea. I did not do that. Again, I've gone against the grain in almost everything here. Like the fact that I started this whole thing by writing a book is goes against what most people will tell you about building a business like this. They would say to put out the content, see what people want, grow the audience, and then once you know what people want, write the book. And I'm a my my business is a rebel archetype, right? I'm trying to change the status quo. So I'm really grateful I did write the book because it by the time I was done with it, I developed two frameworks while I was writing the book that are very different than anything that's out there. Basically like an extended amount of time for myths about friendship and how to view them differently, how to reframe them. So I'm happy I did it that way, but it, it made my journey to building the business. I have a podcast. I love the podcast, but again, most people will tell you not to start with a podcast because a podcast takes a really long time to grow and take off. So I can't say that I have done any of this in the way that maybe made sense, but I've done what works for me. That, that was the hell yes angel that just came visiting us because that's exactly what this show is all about is doing things your own way and it's not necessarily what you should do this is all about cooking cook, kicking shoulds to the curb and doing what feels right to you what you know to be right in that moment and yeah sounds like looking back maybe you would have done things a little bit differently but I think we can all say that about everything. I mean, you do the best in that moment and what feels right in that moment. There's no way that we could possibly know everything all the time or we would never grow if we know everything, right? So I really, really appreciate that you grew your business that way, following what felt right to you and that you're sharing that message so that I mean, it's almost, it's it's like giving giving yourself permission to do that, to ignore all the advice of, the Instagram algorithm and the, you know, how often you have to be posting and all of that stuff and just do what feels good. Because if it doesn't feel good and doesn't feel right in the moment, it's not gonna be an enjoyable business to build anyway. Then it just feels like shoulds and you may as well just stick in corporate America at that point. I will say though, like I, yes, I own and operate a business, I really feel at service to this message. Like I think that this is a greater thing than I ever could have imagined that 
could really impact the world. And at the end of the day, that's what leads me, not the dollar signs. So I think that that is really something for people to know or to to think about, like, why are you doing this? And if your why is to, you know, impact your bottom line as quickly as possible, then don't don't do it the way I'm doing it. Like my why this entire time has been to help people. And the business is a beautiful, beautiful byproduct of that. But that's not what I let lead my decisions. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I think I have a bit of an assumption about who's listening. And you're right that obviously everybody is different. My assumption is if people are in something that they're not enjoying, it's not giving them a sense of fulfillment and meaning, whether it's corporate America or like you're in your case, it was the luxury weddings, and they're switching to something else. My gut is that yes, we need income, because you know, we're losing the income when we walk away from something. But that that's probably not going to be the primary driver, the driver, I would think for most people would be then what am I going to do that's going to have more meaning for me, that's going to give me a sense of fulfillment, that's going to feel more aligned with who I am and what my values are, and I'm going in that direction. So I appreciate the clarification, though, that if you want to do it faster, then yes, maybe you need to follow the traditional ways, but then you're probably not following a hell yes at that point, because mm -hmm. it's somebody else's hell yes, it's not your own. I would, I'll let you. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add to that. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. So the one thing that I ask everybody that comes on the show is to brag. Because as women in the US, and I think in many other cultures, we're often told to be humble and to focus on other people and all this other kinds of nonsense. And I would like to be dismantling all of that. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to get your brag on and share whatever it is that you want to talk about. It could be your business, it could be a meal you made last night, anything you want. Oh gosh. Well, for anybody that can't obviously see the video on this, I just panicked. My eyes got so big. So obviously this is a growth area. Thank you for this question. I mean, I panicked initially, but I am excited to brag. What do I want to brag about? I mean, we've talked a lot about the friendship stuff. The I have two frameworks in my book that truly don't exist anywhere. They, they don't exist. And the more that I share them with people, like I shared them with somebody, I don't know, a month ago, she was telling me all about how she had to go to her high school reunion. And she was freaking out about going because she feels all this guilt about her closest friends and how over the past, I want to say it was her 20 year reunion, this friendship's kind of dwindled and they see each other when they're in the same city. But like, it's not the same and you know she feels like a bad friend and all this stuff and i just said can i say something to you and i gave her a very quick breakdown using my roots of connection framework and we got to the end and she was really quiet and she goes well in two minutes you just made all of that make more sense than six months of therapy wow. so yeah i feel a lot better about going to this reunion. And that truly is like, I can do that with all sorts of people. I do it with people all the time. I can explain to them the types of friends and why a certain friendship feels a certain way. My roots of connection, like tie, they tie in together. 
Um, and I can explain using the roots framework why this friendship is what it is and where they could focus their energy if they want to change the friendship or um, how they're connected so that they can let go of maybe their feelings of guilt or shame and just be like, oh, yeah, the friendship has changed that way. And like, that's okay. And not not feel bad about it anymore. So that would be my brag. I truly don't know how I came up with these other than a, like probably a couple thousand hours of obsessively <laughs> thinking about it and a neurodivergent brain. You know, my brain sees patterns differently and that's really it. Like somehow I'm able to look at all the relationships and the things people are telling me about their relationships and start to see patterns. And over about a year's time, I distilled them down into these two frameworks. And I really truly think they're going to like change a lot of people's lives. So that's my brag. Woohoo! And I laughed. I wasn't laughing at you. I just like, no, just you're like good. oh, just a few thousand hours. Just that. That is fantastic. And I appreciate that I got you closer to an edge because that's actually one of my passions is helping, especially women, but helping people see their edge and then either step or leap beyond it, whatever feels comfortable for them. And then there's going to be the, another edge and to keep going, right? That we always have that edge of in different areas and to keep stretching and growing. And I love that. And, you know, there's so many medical things we'll talk about that your longevity is actually based on your connections and the quality of those connections. And so you are doing not just, oh, that's a nice thing. I mean, you're truly changing people's lives with this work. So I'm going to brag for you with that one and just add on that, you know, it's not in the moment. It wasn't just her high school reunion, but you've potentially changed her whole focus and way of approaching relationships going forward. So it's magnificent. So can you tell us the name of the book? And it, I believe it's not out yet, right? Yeah. So can yet. you tell It'll... us the name of your book and when it's going to be coming out? The name of the book is Are We Friends Yet? And the book will come out in... I'm just about to set the date, so I don't have an exact date for you, but I'll tell you later. But it's going to come out in early 2024. Woohoo! There's something exciting to look forward to for you and for yeah. us. And what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and connect with you? Mm -hmm. Well, my website is alexalexander.com, or I'm pretty active on Instagram. My handle is at its it's alexalexander.com.com. Okay. My handle is at it's Alex Alexander. And you're always welcome. Like I love chatting with people in the DMs. I have places on my website to send me voice memos, send me an email. I respond to all of them. It's just really fun to hear how people are approaching community and friendship, the the good and the bad. Beautiful. Well, and I appreciate that you're building connection as you're talking about connection, right? It would be a little ironic if you were like, oh yeah, I, I have an assistant handle all of that and I never talk to people. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I deeply appreciate you sharing your focus on the business and then on friendship as well and having more time with you. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Zaya. This was really fun and yeah, I, I talk about other people all the time. So this was such a delight to talk about this journey and like now I'm appreciating what I've done. So thank you for that. Wonderful. Yeah, it sounds like you've taken a lot of courageous steps. And that's what the hell yes life is, is one courageous decision and step day after day. 
So kudos to you. Sure have. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Your Hell Yes Life. Remember, don't wait for those perfect moments to connect with friends. Seize everyday opportunities to deepen those bonds. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with your friends and keep the conversation going. And until next time, stay brave and true to your hell yes.